0: I'm Clay Milliken, and you are tuned into Hot Rod Blues, the fastest, most awesome podcast you have ever tuned into. Every chance you get, go out there and stomp on that loud pedal and keep the volume
1: cranked to the moon. Welcome, everybody, to episode 15 of the Hot Rod Blues podcast. I am Sean Burrerton with Auto Enthusiast Network. I'm Sean Young with Kingfish Metalworks. Mike Abbott, Steel Rose Metal Co. Javier Augustine with Bomber Steel Customs. Yes, and we have a special, special guest uh, this uh, episode, and uh, it's probably one of the greatest hot rod guys, uh, fastest people in uh, the world. Uh, Definitely been over 400 miles more than any uh 400 miles per hour more than any man uh, on the planet Mr. George poteet Thank you, doing, you for George? thank you for coming. How you doing?
2: I'm doing okay right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I I know uh I know this is not uh something that's comfortable for you so I, I really appreciate you coming and and talking to us. It's a uh you know, it's an honor for us anyway and and uh, you know you can't speak about memphis hot rodding history without talking about george poteet so
2: yeah well i don't know if I buy all that or
1: not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a humble guy for what you do but uh we definitely uh we definitely appreciate it and everybody uh everybody knows who you are for for everything that you've done for the hot rod industry for sure and uh and heck bonneville for that matter so
2: well i've I've gotten more out of it than than I've put into it, probably all I've ever tried to do is have fun and not ever grow up and uh I've gotten old, but I hadn't grown up <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, speaking of that, so like uh we were talking about where where are you from originally?
2: uh Mantachi, Mississippi is where I went to school uh Etowah county uh and the uh northeast part of the state down there, Mississippi.
1: Was, uh, uh, were you a farmer or was your parents
2: farmers or what, how? <laughs> well, my daddy was what we called back then a sharecropper. Okay. Uh, he never owned any land, but he, uh, he farmed. <coughs> and, uh, I was raised on a farm. Uh, you know, I, in my lifetime, I plowed with a view, not a whole lot, but, uh, I was raised, you know, before cotton pickers were invented and, uh. I was raised out in the country on a farm.
1: Yeah, very cool. And uh, so, like, when did you come to the big city?
2: <laughs> I moved to Memphis in 1970. So uh, I took a job up here and a uh, uh, company up there, and I stayed there 52 years before I retired. Ever since. Wow. wow. So uh,
1: you graduated from high school down in Mantachie.
2: I graduated from high school in Mantachi and went to what we called back then junior colleges, or I think they're called community colleges now, uh, Etowamba, uh County Junior College, and then I, I ended up going to Memphis State when I moved to Memphis. But uh, I uh, got Somewhat of a formal education, not real, real good, but a little bit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so uh, you didn't graduate from Memphis State, or yeah. or you did? Yeah, you did. What did you? What would your? What was your major? Business. Okay, yeah. that's perfect. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I guess, yeah. I guess you did okay there then.
2: <laughs> yeah, it didn't have anything to do with cars and racing. I uh, I learned how to race, work on cars, and race when I was. On you know, Fulton Dragway when I was 14, 15 years old. And uh, back when I was growing up, we had to work on cars to have a way to go. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, back then you had three modes of transportation, a bicycle, a horse, or a worn out car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I graduated from a bicycle to a horse and then I decided it would be easier to try to keep a car running than it would try to catch a horse every time you <laughs> wanted to go somewhere. <laughs> but uh, I took a you know, shop in high school, learned how to stick weld and you know, build things, and uh, uh, everything else is just trial and error. You go to the drag strip and break something, you have to go home and fix it.
1: Yeah. Did you have a group of guys that you went down to the drag strip with and stuff?
2: Do what now? Did you
1: have a group of guys that you hung out with at the?
2: No, no? Uh, I graduated. There was uh, twenty people in my class. You didn't where I came from. You didn't live close to anyone. You <laughs> yeah. know, the, I guess the the closest one of my peers lived three miles from me. Wow. You know he and I piddled around a little bit with you know, old cars, but I didn't. I really did it by myself.
1: Yeah. So, uh, how did you get into cars? Was it was it did you, was your parent your dad into cars at all, or, or was it just something <laughs> you just all of a sudden picked up?
2: It's just my mother when I was got my driver's license at fifteen. She had a '53 Dodge, uh, flathead six cylinder, and I had to work on it a lot to keep it running. We call it the barn car, <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh, it's just you know working on it and then i bought a car when i was in high school and uh, uh you know bad, just mustangs came out i always dreamed about owning a mustang and uh, you know that was the era when hemis came out yeah. i never saw a hemi engine until i was 20 years old nobody where i came from had the money to buy a hemi <laughs> yeah. right. uh, i didn't really see a hemi till i moved to memphis uh, we'd go to the drag strip over there at Fulton, and, uh, you know, there was uh, one 396 Camaro, and, of course, everything else is small block, several layers, small block Ford. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I uh, just kind of evolved into it, to mainly, you know, buying, fixing what, what you call restore today. But... Uh, cars that you dream about owning when you're 14, 15 years old. You see it in Hot Rod magazine, and, you know, you say, I'd like to have one of those one of those days. So I've been fortunate enough to pretty much uh, fulfill all of the wishes I had for cars back then, even a Hemi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: one or two here and yeah. there. <laughs> yeah.
2: So what was the first car that, that was your car? A 61 Ford convertible. dig that. I still own it. Really? It, it, it's in this shop up here behind us, it's it's been restored three times. I dig <laughs> yeah. that!
1: It's nice. white, white, uh, white with a black top, right? Yeah. Yeah. What
3: yeah. motor are you running? It, that, what was the factory motor on that? was factory motor on that car? <laughs> oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a 292. Cruise O-Matic. <laughs> Y-block. Absolutely. I like your style. I'm building a Y-block. That's why I was hoping you'd say that. I've got a 292 on the shelf. That's not a very good engine. It was, it was a little bit slower than a pair of mules, my yeah, dad. Had. Yeah. Is that what
4: your dad said? It was slower than a pair of mules? Yeah, to be
3: fair, like it's coming from a guy who goes over 400 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. so I, I'm happy with the chop. That's funny. Wow! I uh, I
2: never I never even had any thoughts of it being fast, but it was a way to get around. But uh, I have always had a fondness for sixty ones. There was a neighbor of mine had a sixty one uh, Starliner that he drag raced with a three ninety and three speed in it. But uh, I don't two ninety two automatic. You wherever you went, you you went slow. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> that uh 390s probably you probably have
1: more 390s than any other uh motor here don't you
2: yeah I got more of and then than probably any other one yeah uh, I, I like an fe
0: yeah. you know I'd, I'd like to put one in my old Ford truck at some yeah. point
4: I'm yeah. a fan
3: yeah
0: but I'll tell you what I'm a big fan of on they're this, all Ford uh, guys
4: on this yeah. on know.
3: this row of cars over here is your uh the way you've dressed up these LS swaps, they look
2: so good. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's amazing. I mean, it,
3: it tricked my eye yeah. initially.
2: Yeah. Well, we've been putting uh, Chevrolet engines in Ford since 55 uh, <laughs> when the V8 came out. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not doing anything now that hadn't been done years and years ago. We we're putting 265s and you know, anything that you wanted to move and uh, I, it really doesn't matter to me. We, uh, The engines that we race at Bonneville are all Chevrolet engines. I've got uh, three cars that I've built to race out there that's got uh, Ford engines in them, but uh, I've never set a record with a Ford engine. Really? Wow, sorry. Yeah. sorry, Mike. I'm so sorry. Oops. <laughs> well, it's, it's mainly because of the, the lack of, of, you know, my ability to, to build something fast enough, there there's Ford sets records out there, but yeah. I never have been able to get a Ford engine to run fast enough out there in the classes that we're running them in. And uh, when you build a car for bottle, the uh, biggest mistake you make is building something that that you've always wanted or always liked. Uh, you know, the smart thing to do is to pick a class that you can build a car that will break a record. And uh, even today, there's pl- there's plenty of records out there that's still gettable. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it may be a, a Subaru Sport or something. <laughs> right. If you want a record, you build a car for a record. If you just want to go race and, and be cool and have a good time, you build what you've always seen in magazines and on TV and things. Yeah.
4: Very cool. So when you moved to Memphis and you went to college um, – what did you go to after college? What was your job? What was your career path that you were heading toward?
2: Uh, my, what was my career path? <laughs> that you wanted to be. I didn't have a dream of what I wanted to be. I had a very definite definition of what I didn't want to be. I got you. When I was in high school and college, I, I worked full-time when I was in college and went to school full time. And I worked in a couple of factories, a shoe factory, a a tire factory, a meat packing house. I knew I didn't want to do that all my life <laughs> right especially especially
1: so, the meat packing one I, I imagine I've, I've done that
2: so, I worked at a packing house for a little yeah. while yeah
0: I did yeah
3: Hern-
0: <laughs> Hernando boneless beef yeah. I did. <laughs> which was also your nickname and yeah exactly that's what people called me
2: <laughs> Pretty rough so i I moved to Memphis as I, I working for a loan company and I moved up there to uh, manage to financing for a product that they were selling and I didn't really have any goals of what the end result would be there other than I didn't live in a house trailer in Mississippi and I didn't have to work at a shoe factory right yeah
4: (laughs) absolutely I can I can understand that goal
2: (laughs) (laughs) my mother my mother worked in a, a what we called a shirt factory I think it'd be called a garment factory today but uh, she worked in a, a factory all her life, and never made more than minimum wage. Right. So I knew that I couldn't do what I wanted to to do, and what I wanted to do was play with cars and go to the racetrack, you know, Lakeland. And, uh, the uh, you know going to Lakeland with for me back then was like going to Disneyland there today with some of these kids, but uh, that was really what I my end goal was to be able to uh, play with cars a little bit, you know, buy my uh, '65 Mustang and, and build it that I always wanted, and uh, I was able to do that while I worked you know, in the office there in Memphis.
1: That's cool. So, what did you, uh, what did you race mostly?
2: Well, the first car that I ever put on a drag strip was a sixty uh, six Mustang that I bought when I was in college uh, two eighty nine two barrel three speed it was really fast <laughs> <laughs> actually I
1: think your sister told i think your sister told me about that car that <laughs> you used to pick her up in that car
2: but the first car that I really built was a uh sixty five l Camino with a three twenty seven and four speed in it uh, and it was real fast but uh, when I moved to Memphis, I uh, uh, put everything I owned, a wife and two kids, and everything we owned, in that '65 El Camino and a '65 International half-ton pickup truck, and moved it. But wow. uh, the El Camino was always, uh, you know, to me, uh, my first car that I raced.
1: Yeah, well, that's cool. So, did you ever did you ever get into like racing, racing like? No, you were
2: no, you were just no. I've never, never been in a, a, a drag race to where there was, you know, even a trophy offered. You know, you go to yeah. Fulton or Myrtle or Blue Mountain Raceway, and you know, you make maybe two rounds. I never made more than three rounds <laughs> in, in my lifetime <laughs> on Saturday night at a drag race. <laughs> but uh, you know, you're running a 65 El Camino, street tires, and, you know, back then your goal was to get a car under 15 seconds, and uh, yeah. if you could get it to, you know, break 14, you were a professional racer watch. Right? <laughs> 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 but we still, uh, you know, these cars you buy today off the showroom, you know, you can run 10, 11 second cars now with a factory warranty still on it yeah Yeah. Uh, back then even the fast cars or Hemi's and you know 396 uh, Camaro's and things were running 12-13 second quarter mile yeah and uh, you know today uh, at Botteville we're uh, running Two second quarter. right? Two second quarter miles. Rolling
3: rolling start
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 He, doesn't have to worry. yeah. he doesn't have to worry about a red light. Yeah. Right. So that's cool.
4: <laughs> so so what was the what was the tipping point? How did all
2: this come to be? Well, I was in Memphis living uh, up there and you you can't house stuff like this, and in, right. in big cities, not just Memphis, but anywhere, because you get broke. Shops get broken into, and you steal uh, tools get stolen. And uh, I bought. <coughs> I had a partner that bought five acres of land down here, Meridian, from Molly Springs, and he built a house down here. And uh, there was five acres of land next to his house that I bought and built the first shop down here, and. Oh, uh, 40 years ago. And I'd come down, I had a, an apartment in it that I would uh, spend the night on the weekends down here. And I'd come down here on the weekends and work on cars and had a lift in it and a stick welder, I had you know, had dream come true. So yeah. I, I bought five acres of land and built a shop down here. And over the years, I've just added to it a little. and built another building and bought another five acres and uh i've ended up with a little bit of land here and several <laughs> Just several little. buildings
1: yeah yeah so so you started a shop down here like 40 years ago it's, it's, wow yeah,
2: 40 a little over 40 years ago Man, that's a
1: long way to go though That's a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a, but it's a long way to travel to get. Speed limits were lower back then, too. Yeah, right. Not that you care.
2: Well, it was a long way there (laughs) because it was still two lane roads. Highway 78 was a two lane road from here to Memphis back then. Yeah, exactly. But it was halfway between memphis and myrtle i was going to myrtle drag strip every every saturday night (laughs) there you go that's real plan (laughs) by then i'd graduated i was the official starter of of uh, myrtle drag strip so I, i considered myself right in the same uh uh Class is on Buster Couch with NHL. <laughs> yeah, Boy, Buster Couch. <laughs> you don't even know Buster Couch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I know yeah. who Buster is. We've yeah. talked about Buster uh, on the show. Yeah, oh, is yeah, that it, is that Busters? That's his shirt. Oh, that's <laughs> cool. <Two laughs> episodes yeah.
1: ago, is it the Clay yeah. Milliken one? Clay Milliken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clay yeah. Millican. Yeah. yeah, we were talking about it with Clay. <laughs> you know it's funny? I was I was thinking about it the other day for some weird reason. I was talking about Buster Couch and I was I was talking about a time where he was on the back of a truck and i couldn't remember and he fell off the back like there was a truck that was doing something it was it was one of those wheel standard trucks and he was having trouble getting it getting it to launch or whatever and buster hopped up on the rear bumper and did one of those and the guy <laughs> goosed it and and buster went flying flying back he on busted the, it yeah buster <laughs> busted yeah so it was pretty bad so uh, what yeah. what
2: year did you join the memphis street Rods? oh <laughs> i don't even remember i uh it's been 40 years. Wow. Uh, I, I bought a little A model. Uh, uh, actually, I bought a 37 Ford in, I guess, 1980 when I got the first street rod that I owned, and I, I joined the street rod club that, that winter. I, I bought the 37 at the street rod nationals that they had in Memphis in 1980 and started going to club meetings and uh, that by that November, I was an official member of the Memphis Street Rod. Yeah.
1: So was that was that kind of your first introduction into hot rods, and
2: you know, kind of what started this? That was my first foray into to hot rodding. Yeah. Thirty seven Ford with a had a small block Ford engine in it with a Corvair front end under it. I don't know if you've ever driven a car with a Corvair front end under, it, but yeah. That was real high tech back then. Oh, that's We're right. the independent front end, and it. Uh, you still we, have a picture
3: it, of that car readily available? Or?
2: <laughs> I don't have a picture of that car in this building. I've got <laughs> one somewhere, but, uh, we used to have an auto show in Memphis every winter, and uh,
1: the the World of Wheels downtown.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I I got a picture of that car in the the International Auto Show down there one one winter, but uh, it was a. Uh, Bad driving car, but I drove it a lot of miles.
3: <laughs> that's that's right up Mike's alley. Yes,
2: yes, yeah. that's. I that's think the wor-
3: it's like a challenge Oops. for him. If the worse it drives, the more fun it is. Yes, <laughs>
4: it's got to be subtly sketchy. Yeah, it's got to be subtly sketchy. Is
3: that a wheel bearing or did I tighten the lug nuts? I don't know. <laughs> that's right. That's right.
2: <laughs> did you ever see a Corvair front end? <laughs> yes, on I it? have.
4: Yes, I have. <laughs>
1: I, I've never even heard of
2: anybody yes. putting a Corvair underneath. They sometime. would
4: do that, and they would do um, Pinto front ends underneath. It was the early, yeah. you know, it was, it was before the whole, you know. I mean, they clip. would do Mustang too. Yeah, Pinto, front yada yada yeah, yada. Velari was a big one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Oddly enough, that's a weird one, but yeah. So is that how you met Tommy Bourne? Was that when you and Tommy Bourne started hanging out?
2: Yes, yeah. I met Tommy, and uh, uh, there's probably. 10 or 15 of those guys that were around back then bill russell tommy uh, uh, a lot of us have died uh it's uh we still have a club up there with 50 or 60 members but there's not about 10 of us that's still around that's been around for that long yeah so you're around
1: from the very beginning of Memphis
2: Street Rods, probably. Nineteen eighty. Well, I think yeah. they—I think officially started in uh, like seventy-two. Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't even—they uh, had a what they call the Memphis Rodders back then, which right? Was the predecessor of the Memphis Street Rods, and a lot of the, the guys that were in the Memphis Street Rod were in the Memphis Rodders, but. Uh, <laughs> It was. Uh, I think the Memphis Street Rods started right at the, about the same time as NSRA did.
1: Okay, that makes sense.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Vernon and uh, Gilbert Bug was was some of the first members of the Memphis Street Rod.
1: Okay, I think Gilbert was in Memphis Rodders, wasn't he? I think Vernon was too. Are they? Yeah, okay. they're both Rodders. Yeah. yeah, they okay. were both Rodders. Very cool. Yeah.
2: Yeah. The Memphis Rodders were really. Uh, a bunch of old drag racers, yeah, right. Jake Moran and uh, Larry Nolan. I think he was in yeah. uh, around then. But they they ran at Lakeland uh, with uh, uh, when they were running. Uh, uh, Lakeland probably shut down around 72, 74, something like that. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, but they were they were. Living the life that we all dreamed about back then, running you know, altered and uh little front engine gassers and things.
1: Yeah. Ray Godman and Yeah. All those guys. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah.
4: So I've, so I've heard a million stories, of course. I can I, I know you can probably imagine that a million stories about how George Potee became George Poti. Um, I've 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 heard a million stories. Um, I don't know how many of those are true. So I was told that you came up with something and patented it, and that's how you became what you are today. Is that true?
2: Well, that's where I made my most money. I I didn't come up with it and didn't patent it. It was actually taken out of a garbage can in Canada. Really? (laughs) Get out of here. (laughs) And the guy that owned the company that I worked for, Brought it to me. Want to know if I could build one? Yeah. So um, I took a saw and cut it apart, and yeah, I can build this. <laughs> See, so,
3: reverse engineered a piece of garbage. <laughs> I was. I'm going to uh, start dumpster diving as soon as we get back to Memphis. I know, right?
2: <laughs> I was elected vice president of manufacturing. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> immediately? <laughs> immediately? I went. Yeah. To, I went to Sears and Roebuck. And bought a drill press and a bandsaw, and uh, That's, uh, became a manufacturing person. Wow! <laughs> Dig that.
3: That's crazy. Sears only knew now. Yeah, All right. Right. All right. All right.
1: Yeah. But that was that was the water filtration thing, right?
2: Yeah, well, the reason he brought it to me, though, was I was only one in the company that even had a, a, any hand tools, so <laughs>
1: <laughs> or, or knew how to use knew how to use them. That's yeah. so
3: Sears is in on yeah. that again. See, yeah, the first yeah. See the everybody
1: tools. always goes to the hot rodders because yeah. they're like, "Oh, hey, uh, you know how to turn a wrench or something? Can you do this?" Well, tr- we'll all truth tools. be
4: told, it was probably from you being raised a farm kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all truth be told, <laughs> yeah. they
3: knew you could fix a tractor, and they knew probably. Well, I
2: I started driving and working on a tractor when I was thirteen years there old. You go. So, yeah, and you know, my daddy had a little what was called a Ferguson back then or Fords now, but uh, I, I had to work on that thing quite a bit. But you know, one of the the most improved thing I did to it was you know tie a string to the. Uh, governor on a carburetor so you could run it while oh, <laughs> <open it up. laughs> you go down the road speed records in you, you go down <laughs> the road <laughs> and, and fourth gear that thing and it'd be doing about 18 miles an hour and you could pull that string and you could do at least 24, 24. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> epic <laughs> see
1: always looking to be the fastest You're right right i'm the fastest
0: slow guy out here right. yeah so are you going to take a tractor to bonneville I know.
5: <laughs> is that a class? I'll do it. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> might, yeah, it might be your. They had on one despite. at Blavel, right? They had a tractor at Blival. Yeah, It spun out at like a hundred mile an hour. Yeah, I don't want to be on that. No, I'm trying to
3: just do like 24 with the with the governor open. I can't imagine spinning
1: out on a tractor.
2: Well, interesting. On on that is the uh, diesel record out there mm-hmm. is. From a JBC tractor engine and a streamliner. Oh, really, in England. They, they they took a one of the diesel engines on one of their big tractors and put it in a streamliner. And Andy Green, who has the absolute world speed record at 752, drove it. <laughs> but the most impressive thing is they had a big old front end loader that was. You know, a huge tractor that could push that thing off to about a hundred miles an hour of turbo diesel, but they pushed wow. that thing off with a bull front end loader, and it it was quite quite impressive. But I think it still got the diesel record out there. Wow,
4: wow. mercy! Seven hundred and how much?
2: Seven fifty two what he drove it. it. was turbo a, jet. No. It was a jet powered yeah, right. car. Right, right. Uh, he actually uh, went past Mach in it. Yeah, wow. so blew the
3: salt off the off the ground. <laughs> yeah. seriously, that's what. You got to do. what yeah. What was
4: the first time you went to Bonneville? What made you decide Bonneville? What was that? Well,
2: reading about it in Hot Rod magazine, I met you back then. You know, Hot Rod dedicated at least one issue just to Bonneville, and then uh, you uh, all through the year they had cars that ran out there because. Uh, that was actually before drag racing started. You know, they were running Bonneville in 1948. Wow. And uh, you read about it in, in Hot Rod Magazine. And I, the first time I went, I uh, went with a a guy from Memphis that was racing out there. Uh, he had an eight mile roaster running a flathead. He actually yes. set a record out there, Paul Cosmo. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Paul, yeah, I know Paul. Yeah. yeah. Cause really. actually got kicked out of the Memphis street rod because he, he was not a street rotter anymore. He was a race. He was too awesome. <laughs> That's a good reason to get, you're
3: too awesome. You can't be in the club anymore.
2: <laughs> Is that for real? <laughs> they voted him out because he wouldn't devote enough time to hot rod. And he was too much he spent racing. Too much time racing. But, but really, I went out there with cause as a spectator and, uh, I went two or three years as a spectator. And, then, I was out there in a 32 Ford. Uh, we started uh, one of these tours at what they called the ego Rama back then, and we were on a uh, like a 10-day uh, competition thing. Of every day, we had something we we competed in, and I had a 32 Roadster. I was entered that competition in, and uh, we started in Salt Lake City. So I drove it out there, and we left from there, and I was I was. I decided I might want to try that. Of course, everybody's dream is to go 200 miles an hour back then. And uh, I was impressed enough with it I wanted to to try it. And uh, I went back the next year and bought a car uh, that was in the starting line out there that was for sale. An old flathead Roadster. And, you, uh, nice flathead with a C4 in it, and uh, wasn't painted or anything. So I bought it out there and brought it back to Memphis and painted it and uh, put seatbelts in it big enough to fit me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, uh, the old boy that had it was from Denver. He'd built it for a drag car for a woman that lost interest in it, and they were out there running it. And I got it up to 118 miles an hour in my lifetime, the fastest I ever drove it. But that was my first race car when I bought on the starting line out there for.
1: So about what what year what year would that be?
4: I was in the mid '80s. Mid '80s, yeah. yeah. And that's the car that Tommy and Greg have today, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it is. It still ain't gone more than 118. <laughs> <you know? laughs> we're we're, we're right still now. dreaming, though. We're still dreaming. We're holding on. Ain't <laughs> yeah, gonna get there <laughs> in a flathead.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: I love hopeless dreams, though. <laughs>
6: that's
4: funny. <laughs> yeah the, uh, the 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 um, Lakester that that you bought that greg wound up getting from you um me greg and the shop you know we've been doing shop nights trying to build that lakester and we're basically building it around the exact same motor combination from your first car um so that we can swap motors back and forth between your
2: first car and that lakester we'll see how it goes well i don't i don't think we ever hurt that little engine was there never went fast enough to hurt it (laughs) yeah but uh it was. I I drove that little car for three years out there, and then I decided I wanted to go a little faster. I wanted to go 200, so I ended up buying another car that was running out there, a 32 Roadster. And, uh, I ended up running it a couple three years, and I got it up to around 185 a couple of times, I never could get 200 out of it. And uh, what was it? What motor was that? I was an old Cadillac, uh, I was a, what we call an uh, E-motor back then at 268 cubic inches or something like that, but I was out of the Cadillac, hmm. uh, uh, the 32, you know, a modern-day Cadillac, it wasn't an old caddy, but uh, it was way underpowered for the class that would run, you couldn't run a small-block Chevrolet with it, but... Um, I ran it for three years and uh, decided I wanted to go a little faster, so I built a 32 Roadster that uh, we put a small block Ford in it, a Windsor engine, and uh, I ended up going 214 in that car, but the record was 230. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, this ain't going to work. Way off of that one. <laughs> well, I was trying to run a Ford engine instead of a Chevrolet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but
1: is that the 32 that you have
2: here I st- now i still got that car okay yeah still have the windsor motor in it it's got that windsor motor yes. in it. it's actually a nascar engine that's you know i bought it in jack rouse but i still own that old car with the engine and i have probably uh, there's 25 at least 25 people got their 200 mile an hour license in that car really that's we, awesome i loaned it in Last time I loaned it to a guy for his grandson to drive, they, they kept it five years out of Salt Lake wow. City. Wow! Oh, wow! And uh, Terry Terry Nish, who ran a streamliner out there, his grandson wanted to, to race, so I, I sold it to him on the uh, out there one year for five dollars. Wow! And uh, <laughs> let his grandson run it, and they ran a small block forward in it, and uh, they never set a record in it. But he, uh, I think everybody in his shop ended up going around $200 in that car, but Terry passed away on me three years ago, and uh, I bought it back from him for $5. That, that oh, was nice. the agreement
4: we had. Did you give them the exact same $5 they gave you back? Tell me you did. <laughs>
2: I got that in my pocket right now. Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> really? I got Terry's $5 bill in my pocket. Man, partner. that's awesome, no. man. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, I dig that's that. <laughs> I dig that. <laughs> That's a cool story. Absolutely, I've had it framed a time or two. I was going to send it to his his grandson and you know t- t- tell him the story behind it, but I hadn't pulled the trigger on doing that. I still got the five You Might <laughs> be yeah. telling him right now. Eh? Yeah, yeah right? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Cool.
4: That's super cool. So, what led you to the car you have now?
1: Well, I was going to say because after the thirty two, is that when you went with the the sixty? Well, oh, the,
2: the Galaxy, or? I wanted to. Well, the Galaxy we built just because I love 61 Ford. Right. Bad car. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up running that car 207 one time, though, with a small block Ford. And it. it's the fastest 61 Ford in the world, which do not say a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> but the first real car that, you know, a race car that I had out there, I. Uh, Troy Tapania, who owns Rad Rides, uh, uh, we had been at uh, Detroit Autorama, and he had a car that was competing for the Riddler Award, and I had a car up there that we'd built for the Riddler, and uh, we won the, the Riddler, and his his car was a lot prettier than mine, uh, uh, and we was on a hot rod power tour and, he was driving his 37 and I was driving mine, and you know, we talked for a week. And Chip Foose had a, a drawing of a car, uh, 54 Plymouth, that that uh, he had dreamed of. And Troy and I worked, worked a deal to, to build that car. Troy built it for me. And about halfway through that build, uh, I was at one of his open houses up at his shop, and, uh, there was a executive from chrysler there named tom gale i don't know if you ever heard of him uh, really mm-hmm. a nice guy uh we got to talk about bonnable and racing and he uh he offered us uh, a little bit of help from from mopar and building a, a car and uh we well, came up with we want to build one we're going to run a, a uh four-cylinder Mopar engine in it and uh, Paul Cosma had a 69 Barracuda sitting down there that uh, was his wife's car he gave me the car so uh, Troy built that car for me and we put a four-cylinder in it with a turbo and the record we were running to at Bonneville was uh, uh, 226 and the first pass I made in it was 237 on a shakedown run. Damn. Wow. On a
1: shakedown? Shakedown.
2: <laughs> they weren't, the bottom of the SETA weren't real happy about it. And they've since made a, a rule you but can't do that anymore. You an can't. You, you got to run around 125 miles an hour on your shakedown <laughs> run now.
1: Yeah. You shook them on their shakedown because Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I guess you you have to build up, right? Teach one of You have to
2: build up. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Did you tell
3: him you already had your two hundred mile. Line?
1: Well, yeah. I'd
2: already gone over two hundred. I had my two licenses. But, I'm uh, good, fellas. Coach Klein said. Yeah. Like, uh, old Dan Warner came to me. said, yeah. I'm not comfortable with you driving that fast. The first pass, I said. Well, I was pretty comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Felt good. But we ended up setting a two fifty six record uh, in that class, and I think it, that that class that record's still on the books out there. It was a uh, 180-cubic-inch four-cylinder that was actually run in USAC midget cars. Ah. But how Chrysler came in to the picture is a little old four-cylinder engine would accept a Hemi head. A 426 oh. Hemi head bolted to the top of it. Wow. So wow. it, it wow. was actually a Hemi
1: four-cylinder. The four-cylinder Hemi, yeah.
2: You could bolt a wedge head on it, too, and you could actually go a little faster with a wedge head, but, boy, it didn't look near as good as that <laughs> Hemi. <guy>. Right, <laughs> right, right, But wow. uh, we were running that car out, out at Bottle, and uh, we set that 256 record in it. And uh, uh, Ron Main had a streamliner out there that he was running a flathead in that uh, he went bankrupt trying to get a 300 record with a flathead and uh, he didn't have the money to run the car. So uh, I uh, worked to deal with him to provide him with a, an engine and uh, uh, I'd get to drive it. So uh, I proceeded to have a guy up in Maryville, Tennessee, build me a 122-cubic-inch four-cylinder Chevrolet out of an HHR. Oh, really? And uh, my first pass on it was 326.
3: Wow. <laughs> four-cylinder. You talk so much about that guy's HHR. <laughs> uh, I know, <laughs> dude. There's a guy that's always coming up there trying to get his HHR worked on. Yeah. Well,
2: Chevrolet gave uh, – uh, SoCal Speed Shop the money to, to build one of those cars an actual HHR with with the same engine that we were running. And they were trying to get a two record in that car and, and they crashed it out there going about 190. But we ended up setting the, the 326 record and I never got any money out of Chevrolet for it. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. But I wanted to go a little faster and I'm looking at the, the blowfish and I'm looking at the Speed Demon. It wasn't a Speed Demon back then. It was the, uh, it was actually the Echo Fire, is what we called it. it was a little Echo Tech engine. Right. Yeah. That, uh, it was called the Echo Fire then. So we're looking at the Speed Demon. We're looking at the Streamliner, and said, I told uh, Ron, I said, let's put the engine out of the Blowfish in there. <laughs> yeah. so, so we put that that 180 cubic inch uh, Mopar engine in the the. Uh, Echo fire, and it became the Speed Speed Demon Demon. based on the little Dodge Demon, the little devil that they had on their decal back then. Yeah. But we we, uh, proceeded to run that engine 390 miles an hour. Wow. So
5: you have been fast with a Mopar. Yes.
2: (laughs) Well, we wanted to go uh, uh, 400, but we never could. Never could get that little engine to 400. I ran a 392 in it one time. And, uh, but uh, we had since put a small block, 358 cubic inch Mopar engine in the blowfish. And uh, we ended up setting a record out there for 307, I think, in that car. But uh, uh, Jack Trapania, Troy's father, he wasn't real happy when I said, Jack, we're going to, we're going to take the engine out of the blowfish and put it in the... And we switched it. We took it out out there at the one year when we got through racing, and Ron took it to California and had Kenny Duttweiler, uh build it for us that winter with a, a turbo on it. And uh, uh, we ran it. Uh, I've set uh, several international records and several uh, SETA records with that four-cylinder in it, and... Uh, we wanted. To, you know, I, I got in the the three club. I got in the two club and the three club the same year out there. Wow! Uh, the two club with a four cylinder Mopar, and the three club with an Echo Tech uh, and a Streamliner. You know, so you you know well you're in the two club. There's probably 600 people in the 200 mile hour club out there. You have to break a record over 200 to be in the two club. So. That's everybody's dream until they get it, and then their dream is to get in a three-club. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. So I got in the two-club and the three-club the same year out there, and, uh, you know, you're, we're pretty much stuck at around, I think, three, three 356 is, is the biggest record. Uh, we, we sat in that car with a 4 cylinder. and you, uh, you want to go a little faster and kenny convinced me that we could put a small block chevrolet in that streamliner um uh, and the difficulty is that you know it was built for a flathead, so you didn't have a lot of room between the frame rails to get a bigger engine in it so uh kenny took a, a 350 block and uh, you know d-stroked it shaved the head to where you couldn't get a you know, cigarette paper between the, the heads and the, the top of the piston and the, the valves and uh, D-stroked it down to, to 300 cubic inches. And uh, we were running uh, in a class that allowed 305 cubic inches of uh, D motor. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we uh, we got that thing up to, uh, the first record I, I set in that car was 404. Wow. Mm-hmm. which we, We, you know, at that time thought we'd made big time when we got in the four club. And uh, at that time, there was only about 10 people that ever set a record over 400 out there. Wow. Wow. So, but mine was the smallest four record on the books. Yeah. So, uh, I uh, wouldn't wear the. On uh, a the black cow, the black cow out there is for 400 club, r- but uh, I was ashamed of 404. So <laughs> you didn't uh, make it, you
0: did make it deep enough into the fours, <laughs> huh?
2: But Kenny kept fiddling with that little engine for three or four years, and we ended up setting a uh, world record with that engine, I think, at uh, 439. Wow! And my biggest SCTA record is. Uh, 437 with that 300 cubic inch engine and over the years we've you know that was a I've run ALF engine with a four-cylinder a D was uh, the 300 cubic inch uh, we ran a C engine at uh, uh, 358 cubic inches that I, I set a record like 423 or something like that in and then uh, we went to a B engine, which was uh, 388 cubic inches, which is we're still running a small block in it because uh, we, we we kept upping the cubic inches in that 350 engine because we, we didn't think we could get a big block in between the frame rails. Hmm. So uh, we ended up uh, running an LS engine in it i think we ran 440 cubic inches in that ls wow and uh we had gone 462 with with that engine and uh that was the b engine that was an that ls was... i did that with an a in, that was an a engine an oh L1. that was an a yeah. okay so then we went to the big block uh three or four years ago um uh, I crashed out there running at 444 cubic inches. Uh, I was going 370 just practicing. We was out there doing playing. It, it was international meet and it had rained and we couldn't race so we was out there just making passes. And I crashed that car at uh, 370. I got upside down with it. And, uh, we They decertified the, the chassis, the oh well, streamliner was running; had been built for 25 years, and they, they told me we couldn't run it anymore. So we built a new in, new car and figured out a way to build it, uh, basically the same dimensions, but we could fit a big block in between the frame rail. So we ended up running a, a 544 cubic inch big block and running double A streamliner out there. <clears throat> it's an unlimited class. You can run multiple engines, so there's no cubic inch limitation or nothing on it. And the minimum that you can run in that class is 540 cubic inches. So wow. Kenny built me 544 for it, mm-hmm. and uh, we've set uh, the double A blown fuel streamliner out there record right now is at 470. Mm-hmm. I uh, made one pass in that car at 481. Wow. And uh, the closest record, the record, the the day that I broke that 470 record, the record I was running to was 417. And uh, the car that had set that 417 record had two supercharged Hemi's in it. Wow. And uh, then Danny Thompson ran a, uh, twin engine Hemi out there and set a 448 record, yeah. and that, that's the closest record to us right now. But we're running that at uh, 544 cubic inch engine. We're planning on running it again this year, and uh, it's everybody's goal to to make a 500 pass. And then how how many
4: people have the 500 mile an hour club stamp? None. <laughs> what, what, co- what color is that hat yeah, going to be? If you right? break it, do you get to yeah, decide get, the hat color. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I don't know, but if you do that, you probably won't be able to buy one big enough for you. <laughs> <big>. <laughs> that one should be a cowboy hat. I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah. I'm on board with that. <laughs> There's a car that's gone a little over 500 out there, but he's got a turbine engine, not right. a helicopter. But yeah, uh, it's never been done with a you know, combustion. internal combustion mm-hmm. engine. You know, wheel driven car and you know we're running you know a transmission and a, a drive shaft just like right you now you pick up truck going down the road so yeah uh
4: what kind of transmission do you run in that thing
2: well greg liberty built the transmission just for us it's a it's a seven speed wow uh, he uh kenny came up with the the dream of we were running uh you know, like a Tremic 5-speed. Yeah. Right. Breaking a lot of parts when we shifted gears. And, uh, uh, you know, we're using a air shifter, which you don't use the clutch. But, you know, when you shift, you're, you're turning, hopefully, around 9,000 RPM when you shift without a clutch. So... And we're breaking new joints, uh, drive shafts, clutches, rear ends, pinions. You know, anything could break. We were breaking. So, uh, Kenny came up with the idea of we need more gear, So Craig uh, took the challenge and made us a seven-speed. And is that based uh, off of the Tremec? It's actually two four-speed. He had the CNC. Me the case but it's got the gears out of two four speeds in it wow and uh he uh, of course it doesn't have a reverse in it right but, of course but uh he had to see and see the machine but the gears he's using is out of, out of four speed a five speed transmission yeah but uh, he uh, i think i bought three of those transmissions i was, I've converted the blowfish to that seven-speed transmission. You know, but the, what happens is, you know, we're shifting now at, at 9,000 RPMs, and you, you, your uh, gearing and the seven-speed is, is built in such a way that I'm only driving about 1,200 RPM between shifts. Right. So it doesn't take you long to get back up to the 9,000 when, you, you know, if you shift and, and drop back down to 8,000, yeah. uh, it don't take you long. What's you know. redline on that motor? Well, 95 is the most that that we've set up for. Uh, they have a rev limiter. Kenny has a rev limiter on it. Uh, we determine that based on the uh, condition of the course. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if it's dry and hard, you'll, you'll run it to 9,200. Uh, if it's loose, wet, you know, sometimes you'll end up shifting at eighty six, eighty eight hundred. 8800
1: what, what kind of gear is in the rear end? Like, what, what uh, ratio are you running there?
2: Well, the uh, ring gear and pinion, 1.7. 1. 1.7. 1. 7. And with uh, Craig's gear in his, his transmission, in and, the and, uh, seventh gear, we're running like 0. 0.5. Wow. Okay. okay. Uh, so uh it, it depends on what gear you're in right what horsepower are you running in the speed demon well we our goal is to run around 3500 um, wow that is just ridiculous it, it, <laughs> it, <laughs> it depends on how much boost you can keep in it and we have wastegate issues yeah and uh, you have a hard time keeping your wastegates operating at that. So you have some leakage you know, on your wastegate. so you, you end up practically running around 3,000 3, horses. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, uh, the 300-cubic-inch engine, the, the 358, we run around 2,200 horses in in those engines, and that's the most fun and the easiest to drive because it, it doesn't spin the tires as much, and you know it's easier for me to drive. Right. Uh, and you can run the the small block up to to your 9,000 rpm uh, shift point. You know a lot easier than than you can the big block. And uh, uh, the small block we were running. Uh, probably around 30, 35 pounds of booze. Wow. Uh, we need to go 500. I've got to have at least 50 pounds of booze for 12 seconds. Yeah. Are you going to go 500 this year? <laughs> <laughs> He's huh?
3: already picking out his cowboy hat. <laughs> they,
4: <Yeah. laughs> uh, they say we are. <laughs> they say we are. Uh, Somebody told me that they, one of your motor guys
2: was a flathead guy too. Is uh, well, that true? Oh, uh, Ron set the – uh, up until last summer, mm. he had the biggest uh, flathead record My ever guy. on the boat. He, yeah. he ended up setting a three hundred and two record in a flathead out there, which had never been that. done. Yeah, and uh. Uh, of course it bankrupted him. <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, that's a flathead, right? Well, he's going through a fifty thousand dollar engine ever pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, the it was called the flat fire back then when I first started talking to, to Ron about partnering with him and it was a flathead and yeah it was pretty hot so it was a flat hot fire that was the echo tech and then there's a speed demon and uh it started but, it started out as a lakester right it, it? it was a lakester originally yeah. about 30 years ago yeah and then with a flathead in it
1: yeah wow what um uh so what what's keeping you what's limiting you you guys from like saying throwing a 632 in there or something instead of you know
2: running the 540. Well, you run the five forty, you run out of room. Yeah, you it's just too five big. miles you have to stop at five miles. If you were able to run a, on an international course, which
1: oh, oh, I meant I meant uh, cubic inches. What, what uh, you know instead of running the five forty, the five hundred forty cubic inch motor, what, whats, what's Yeah, eight. what you know? What's to stop you guys from throwing big cubes at
2: it? Well, the car we built the, the chassis is not wide enough for it to fit down in between the frame rails. Okay. And you know, it, it, it'd be easy to make the frame rails bigger, but then you gotta widen the body. And the, the package that we've got is, is so aerodynamic, there's there's not any lift in that car ever. And, and we got real good uh, airflow across the top of it and a lot of downforce. So you don't wanna be Messing with your uh, aerodynamic part of it, you know. So you know the the, the, uh, the aerodynamic is the most important thing that you're trying to accomplish out there. Okay. And you know the the reason that I mean it's like an airplane; it it wants to fly. Cars want to get airborne out there, yeah. right? So uh, we we've got our car design to, to uh, stick to the ground to stay on the ground yeah for sure
3: so where did you uh, go through the engineering for the wind tunnel and
2: all that uh, there was a place out in salt lake city that uh, had a wind tunnel that <laughs> that basically was built for the olympics out there for these uh jumpers the ski jumpers oh wow he did a lot of work on the the ski jumping out there and bicycling but his wind tunnel was long enough to to, to get our car in it and our car the, the speed demon was probably the first car out there that's ever been uh, in a wind tunnel and uh, we went out there uh, one four hour session and I made a few changes, took the scoop off the top of it, made the tail bigger, you know, put skirts on the bottom of it, but uh, we improved the- uh, Aerodynamics. The uh, the downforce on that car a bunch, I turned four hours, and uh, we're still running the the same design that we built in 2015, I think, when I crashed that other car.
3: How do you even source that down? Are you like, all right, we need a wind tunnel?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot who's of those floating. Who's, who's doing NASCAR?
3: wind tunnels, right? Besides the military, who's yeah. got a wind tunnel?
2: Well, there's two or three over, over in the Charlotte. NASCAR uses them yeah. a lot. Yeah. And uh, when I said earlier that, that uh, Tom Gale offered us a little help from, from Chrysler, <clears throat> that's, that's what they helped us with. Troy built that uh, uh, blowfish, and uh, Chrysler... Uh, let us use their wind tunnel up in in uh, Detroit. Very cool. And uh, we uh, we spent a total of sixteen hours up there in that that blowfish and uh, Mopar's wind tunnel. Uh, they got a wind tunnel that's probably in a uh, three hundred thousand square foot building up there. Wow. It, it's big enough. Uh, just the actual wind tunnel is as tall as this building is. Dang. Uh, where their wind tunnel in is is basically about the, the same size as this building. And you know what it is is a, a big fan in the front of it, you know, blowing across the car. It's all computerized down in the basement, and uh, um, it's uh, a lot more advanced than than the one we used out in salt lake city but there's uh, uh around here the closest place you can go now to get a car in a wind tunnel is uh, uh over around charlotte. charlotte but right those wind tunnels over there are uh, 40 feet long wow you know, our, our car you know we had to have a wind tunnel is about uh 60 feet long and why that guy had such a big wind tunnel for bicycles and, and right. ski jumpers? He's getting them in there
3: multiple at a time. Yeah. <laughs> right. you can, you're in position it, one, yeah, you're in right. position two. Right, <laughs> right, right. I don't have all day. Hurry up.
2: <laughs> uh, he's he's a really nice guy, and uh, he was real reasonable on what he charged us to do that, but he went bankrupt. You know, oh, no. <laughs> could not
1: get enough. Mo- couldn't get enough motorcycles and bicycles in there. Yeah.
2: Wow. Most of the wind... Tests that you have now, is is done by computers, you'll build a, you know, one forty eight scale of a car like you want to run, and they'll set it on a table like this and take a hair dryer and blow across it. <laughs> really, <laughs> What we, a fraction of the cost. Yeah, I've seen We that. we you actually, see? you know, in uh, the Mopar went on land, this one in Salt Lake City, you know, they actually use a smoke stick where they turn the fan on and you yeah. walk around with a smoke stick and. You can actually see what the wind is doing you know, coming cool. off the tail, don't. and uh, there, there's, there, there's several things that you have to pay attention to with with your aerodynamics out there. One, you don't want any lift. You know, if you you don't want to fly, you want to stay on the ground. So you, you got to have downforce in mm-hmm. in your car. And the ideal place to have the most downforce is about 55 uh, percent. From the front end of the car, really, you know. So uh, you've got uh, uh, downforce there, and then you got to have a good wind behind it so that your parachutes will open. You know, if you got a vacuum back there and you pull your parachutes, nothing's going to happen. It's going to follow you. It ain't going to blossom. right. Wow! You know, so you got to, you got to. Never thought about that. You have to use your downforce for traction when you you take off. You know we're going at the first mile. I'm going ah, 225 miles an hour. Or so, you know I know you've seen the big wings and things on drag cars. Uh, we don't use a wing. We actually put a wing on that car to, to, uh, in the wind tunnel to test it, and uh, we felt like that it had more drag and would take more horsepower to to push the car than. Than not doing the, the wing, so we were able to get enough downforce without the wing. But you know, part of your speed is the the downforce that you have on the back of the car to keep the tires from spinning. Right. You know, and then you know the other thing, like I said, with the parachute, you got to be able to get your parachute out and with a long enough uh, lines to it to where it's far enough behind you that it's clean air behind it, and and uh, uh, you got to be able to to measure how much wind you're getting underneath the front of the car, right? Because you know, again, they'll stand straight up, you know, ninety degrees angle up. If you get air under them, they're going to fly. Right. Yeah. It's like an airplane. Yeah. So without I,
5: wings, it is an yeah. airplane. Yeah. Can I ask it you an airplane? Yeah. What do you think happened with the carbonite car the year that it wrecked? <laughs> you got any theory
2: on? Well he probably lost a tire. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have tires to go as fast as mm-hmm. we're going. Uh, uh cars, uh, the, the, guy that owned the carbonite car was absolutely 100% convinced that he had the best aerodynamics and body style that's ever been made. And, um, uh, he was going faster than his body design would would, would take. I mean, he, he got airborne on it. And I
5: had heard that they uh, asked him not, I don't think, Tech, tech kind of hinted around like adding bars inside the car, and he never did. He thought it was where it, it was a
3: suggestion, not a mandate. Yeah,
5: it was just...
2: He was convinced he had the best car that's ever been built. Yeah. He's yes. al- he was also convinced that there was no way we could go as fast as we were going.
5: And, and he was chasing after you. He
2: was he was absolutely convinced that he was going to show us how to race. Yeah. And uh, he ended up, well, uh, it was a beautiful car. Absolutely. And it looked really fast. But he showed up out there with a big block engine, and a turbo 400 automatic transmission, mm-hmm. which ain't going to work. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, your transmission won't turn that fast. So, you know, he was convinced that his aerodynamics was in such a way he, he could run, you know, 1,500 horsepower, and that turbo 400 transmission didn't go faster than we'd ever gone. But yeah. uh, he got to some point that uh, was beyond what his his aerodynamics would take. But he had a bad crash. Wow. And uh, when I crashed, it's stupidity on my part. We were running more horsepower than the the course would take. We were out there on a a wet, sloppy course and trying to run 3,000 horsepower to see what it could do, and it just spun out on me. Uh, The other big crash we've had out there, Bob Dalton, uh his tire grew big enough and in, inside his wheel wells that it uh rubbed and rubbed a hole in there and he had a blowout
5: you shred tires often don't you
2: Ever has but you don't
5: blow them like it's not uh, a
2: I've never lost air in one of which them. I'll show on camera say they're
5: too.
1: yeah I was gonna say they're up here on the wall they're pretty Pretty close. Yeah. We
2: we spin them down the cord every pass, yeah. but, but we're spinning tires for five miles. Yeah. wow. And if the if the course is dry and hard, it's mm-hmm. it's almost Same like it been paper. on the concrete. You leave black marks down where your tires spin. Wow. Yeah. Yes, sir. But uh, in seventh gear, um, going four hundred and fifty miles an hour, we'll still we'll still have five percent tire slippage in the back of the car. Yeah. Wow.
4: Dang. Let me ask you a question. Me and Greg have decided that we're gonna put an AOD behind that flathead in that Lakester car. Is that AOD gonna be a good combination for that flathead? The what? An AOD, a Ford AOD behind a flathead?
2: Flathead is fine.
4: With an AOD, you think it'll be good?
2: You can, you'll reach the limit of the flathead before you do the transmission. Okay, okay. You ain't with a big block Chevrolet. Block. Right, 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 <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I mean,
4: we're 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 pushing for the whole hundred and maybe thirty mile an
2: hour endeavor. Well, That's what the, we're pushing for. Well, the biggest improvement you can make is put your small block Chevrolet. <laughs>
5: <your small> <laughs>
2: I'm leaving I quit. Can you do, can you do a small block <laughs> four? <laughs> just a, a four, you know, just a, a four a cylinder with four a buffer on it. Four uh-huh. Cylinder with a turbo on it.
4: Well, so help. so is
2: this four-cylinder over here the four-cylinder that you were speaking about earlier? Uh, I said 326 record with that engine over there. Okay.
4: Dig that. And and that's the one that, that – from Chrysler or no?
2: No, that's a Chevrolet. That's the Echo Tech motor. That's the Echo Tech yeah. motor. I yeah. think yeah. it's beautiful. That's a that beautiful in, uh, Chevrolet motor. Uh, Maryville, Tennessee built that engine, and he was running those engines in a little old Mustang too on a drag strip. Yeah. But Myron was back for a couple of years. He was the man in NHRA and that turbo four. That, that was right after Buick came out with the, their turbo V6, right, and uh, that little old turbo over there, like you know, 50 millimeter turbo. Right. Uh, this year we're running 295s on the, the big block.
3: <sighs> Which one's the one that would take the Hemi head? That's not it, is it? Is it?
2: How many ones? The Hemi head. Which one was the one you said you could put that? It's a hundred and uh, eighty cubic inch block. I don't have it here. We still got I got three of those engines up at Troy and still got one out in at Kenny's shop. that we, we take one with us every year out Bonnable and we take four engines when we go so you know we we usually end up going up through three of them. Yeah. And uh, uh two years ago we ended up putting a four cylinder in there again and blew the head off of it first pass. But, <laughs> That's the problem you have, you put, you put so much boost in, in them that um, the heads lift Start on them. That little yeah. engine over there, you know, uh, you make a pass and that engine over there with 15, 18 pound of boost and you'll have water in all the cylinders where the, the, heads the head bolts up. stretch and, yeah. and your head gasket leaks water. That's, you know, that's what blows them up. But, the little 4 center like that, you can put enough, uh, boost in it that you can break the block like you put it on your knee and just break it like a stick. Wow. Uh, the, uh, you know, I, I, know if you know anything about engines, uh, the head bolts are very, very important and that, that's really what makes you go fast, your head on any kind of car. Yeah. But, uh, when you put, that's why put, you're sponsored by AR, ARP, ARP, right? Yeah, I was, gonna, I was <laughs> actually was about to ask who your sponsor for yeah, head yeah. is. Well, Apar, ARP does a, a very good job with us, supplying us with head bolts and things. But uh, yeah. we still, you know, lose head gaskets a lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's that's probably the biggest biggest thing for blowing up the engines is the head gaskets. Just. I Just big, pushing so much The biggest pressure.
2: thing you do is burn pistons. Right. Uh, what happens is it, it's hard to get the ratio with the, the fuel ratio and the uh, coals. You know, so if you run a car lean out there, you end up putting more fire on top of the, the piston than, than uh, you have fuel in it. So you got a direct flame going to the top of aluminum pistol, and you'll burn a hole in it about the size of a half dollar. Yeah. And then you pressurize your oil pan, everything with the, hmm. the compression from the engine, and end up blowing Blow everything, valve cover gaskets out, oil pan gaskets off. You know, then you lose oil on you know 1800 degree headers uh running the uh we run alcohol in our our engine so we try to keep the exhaust temperature under 1800 degrees you know but you spray oil on an 1800 degree header and it's fire, fire. yeah yeah, fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh that's uh and that's cool you know it's some uh we have heat pr- heat problems uh, you know, we we would like to keep the exhaust temperatures in around 50 yeah, I, I
1: imagine with it being such a tight confined <laughs> space how you can how you can keep that thing cool
2: because well, it's have, so tight you have a big uh, intercooler that you know before we push off every time we pack it full of ice we don't put water in it we fill it up with ice and when you run the thing uh, down the course it it melts the ice and you Essentially, have ice water in it, but you, you really don't have a radiator. You just got a water tank in it, okay. And uh, oh, you don't have an electric fan or anything to cool it off. Yeah, all, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> but we pack it. That's the last thing we do before we push off is pack the pack the uh, the water tank and the intercooler with ice. And where's that located? Is it back behind the motor? No, it's in it's in front of it. It's in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The thing, the only thing behind the engine is the fuel tank, and uh, where you place stuff like your, you know, your dry sump for your oil, your fuel tank, your intercooler, you know, all of that plays a part in what kind of traction you get. You know, you got to have, you know, X amount of weight on the front, you got to have X amount of weight on the rear of the front, you got to have it to keep it flying. On you know, the ahead. rear you gotta have it to uh give you the the uh ultimate down force, you know, at four hundred miles an hour and uh still not have a lot of drag on it. You know, but what we've done over the years from the first hundred and twenty two cubic inch engine that we've run is you know, the, the conventional wisdom out there has always been add weight, add weight, add weight to keep it on the ground. You know, I'm sure you've heard of people putting lead, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you put a little bit of weight in the front to, you know, keep keep your weight distribution what you want it to be. But uh, we've always gone with the theory that the heavier the car, the more horsepower it took to push it. Sure. Yeah. Right. And uh, our car is very light for what we're doing, you know, we're with me in it as fat as I am, we uh, we weigh less than four thousand pounds. Wow. That Project Five fifty car out there weighs seven thousand pounds. Wow. Uh there's a car being built over North Carolina now by a bunch of NASCAR people that you know again are gonna show us how how to go fast. <laughs> yeah. right. Their car's gonna weigh over six thousand pounds. Wow. And uh you know, they're starting with two blown Hemi's. And uh, you know, that's the biggest mistake they've made. They should have gone with two blown big block sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, we'll show up yeah. with a winning combination next time. <laughs> <laughs> but we have, have always gone on the theory of a lighter car and less horsepower. The less horsepower makes it easier for me to drive because it don't spin the tires as much. And it makes the engines more durable. You know, the more horsepower you got, it's like a top fuel dragster and a, a pro stalker. The more horsepower, the more crap you're going to break. For you sure. Know, you, right. And you're going to break stuff. if When you get, you know, 3,000 horses there, uh, you know, 500 cubic inches, there's a lot of things going to go wrong in a pass. And, yeah. Uh, but uh, we've been real successful with uh, the package that we've run with the uh, weight Ratio front to back the you know, the uh, uh, Center of gravity the uh, uh, You want the gravity of the car down as low as you can get it so you end up putting You know everything you can down low inside the chassis and uh, Even you know when we built the new car after our crash we we put the turbos down a lot lower than You know because they weigh them. Those two turbos weigh 150 pounds and you know, when you put all the the uh, all the accessories and trimester. accessories with it, so you know you you have to have your center of gravity and center of your pressure. And uh, most people that run out there with cars like we're we're dealing with um, never heard of center of gravity. Center, they don't know what center of gravity is, but nobody knows yeah. what center of pressure of a car is. You know, the, the, the center, the pressure on the car has got to be just past the center of that car. you got to have a little bit more on the rear than you do in the front, but you got to have enough on the front that it don't lift on you. Go up. And uh, one of the, you know, there, there's two big downfalls in, in front end lifting. One, if it leaves the ground, you have no steering. But over the course of that, over the, the, the length of a course, the faster you go, the lighter the front gets. So when you steer the car, the the, the tires you're steering with doesn't have traction. They, they lose traction. The, you know, the softer it gets in the front, the less friction you have between the tire and the, and the salt. Right. You know, so it, it's hard for me to steer. I only have five-degree steering in it. You know, so if I'm trying to, to to move the car 15 feet to the left, I've got to decide real quick to do that because yeah. when you turn the steering wheel, it ain't gonna go like a, a car on an interstate highway out here. Yeah, it's gonna take it a little while to realize that's what you're trying to do, and it's gonna take it a little while to get enough traction to turn that way. So, wow. you know, with with using the uh, you know, the, the less horsepower you, you decrease how much rear end spin you have on the tires, and, uh, you, uh, decrease the, the amount of horsepower it takes to push it through the, the air. And, um, uh, the front end, we have, well, we have lead in the front end of our car. Yeah. I mean, we've got lead bars bolted to it, but, uh, you know our our solution was not to add more weight to it it was to move the weight around or it's lower and and set it to the spot in the the body that it it needs to be yeah so do you
1: essentially corner weight the car like after after you know when you change a motor put in a new motor or something do you kind of
2: no we oh. we decide before we go out there I'm where are we going to have the weight and 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 how much. Because you, you already know. We don't really change the weight once we get out there. Okay. Does but, the car have a cup holder?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: no. That's <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah, like, the, the air conditioner doesn't work either. Oh, man. <laughs> Pop no a window, respect. man, if you're hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He,
1: he just opens a window. Yeah, yeah. 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 Man, I can't imagine what it would be like if a canopy opened up at that speed. Yeah. <laughs> it would suck you right out of there, wouldn't it? Well,
2: the the funny thing about the speed out there is, you know, when you have some sort of failure, you get off the course and pull your parachute and get your seatbelt unhooked and undo the canopy to where you can get out of it if you're on fire. But, you know, a year or so ago, I was out there and, you know, had a rear end brake on a car and I was about, you know, about the two-mile marker and you steer off the course and pull the chute go through all your routine and pop the the canopy open. And you look down, you're still going over 200 miles. <laughs> <laughs> it like, was a bad idea. So you, so you reach up with both hands and grab the canopy to keep from blowing it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. How many times has that happened? <laughs> I only did that once in my yeah. life. Yeah.
0: I almost ran over myself one time in an Oldsmobile I had, kind of doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I was running out of gas and was going to jump out and run and push it. And didn't realize I was going about thirty-five. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> the yeah, there's actually a term for that. Yeah, well, it's, it, it, it's called velocitize. Well, let me yeah, tell you, really when, when, when my feet hit the ground, it stretched me out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> And this is—I uh, I was getting drugged down the street, holding on to the steering wheel, you know. And, and I was looking down, and I could see my feet almost under the wheels of this damn thing. Oh my and, God! And I reached up with the other hand and pulled myself back behind the back behind the wheel. Yeah. But yeah, I did that. I almost ran over myself.
4: How old were you when you did that? Twenty-one. Old, old enough to
3: know better. Twenty-one. Yeah, I was
0: in the Navy. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's it. That's all it. But just, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get you sidetracked. I just thought you, you'd want to hear that.
2: You hadn't done it again. No. I haven't opened the canopy going through.
1: <laughs> funny, yeah,
3: all man. that was left was to push the eject
1: button no, on your right. deal. You're right. I imagine though when you when you when you're back in the uh the chase vehicle coming back, it's got to seem so slow
2: to you. I don't I, – I, my sister usually picks me up in an HHR or something. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like, the speed limit well, like speed 45 for the speed or whatever, limit, right? yeah. The speed limit on a return road like that is 50, and then when yeah. you get to the pits, it's 25. Yeah. And one of the biggest complaints you get out there all week is people are driving too fast on the return But it's so open, you know, it's like,
1: it's hard not to go fast out there because it's so wide open. Yeah. I can't imagine though. It must be, it must feel like forever for you to get back from the seven mile back to the pits. Yeah. Well,
2: it it takes a long time to get there. Uh, Yeah. You know, we, we Start the starting line is usually about three miles from the pits, and then the, right. the uh, five mile marker is usually two and a half, three miles from the pits. And then uh, we actually had nine miles out there last year. But when you, you know, when you make a pass, you're going about ten miles. Yeah, but you're I, going pretty fast once you get your speed up.
3: <laughs> I just can't imagine you in traffic, like morning traffic. <laughs> like that would kill me if i was setting land speed right. right. Right, you're stuck behind some Sunday driver. Yeah. You know, for that matter, uh, last speeding ticket if you ever did get one.
4: Ah,
2: I've never had a speeding ticket. Never, really? not once. That makes perfect sense. To me. I drive slow. <laughs> I drive a four cylinder pickup. I drive <laughs> slow. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Wow,
6: <laughs> that's
3: funny. How man. did I know you were going to say that? I was You're like, right. this guy's setting Lance record. He never even pulled over. Yeah,
2: God. Well, I know I've seen what speed can do to you, so I, I yeah. don't do it on the expressway. I get up there in Memphis. I'm like, oh, oh, that's a God. whole different animal, right yeah. there.
3: Anyway, that's yeah, that's, that's a cra- that's crash derby right there. That's a crash <laughs> derby racing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> well, funny? Let me
4: let me ask you a couple of things. Uh,
2: got any regrets? Any regrets? Yeah. Probably I didn't have enough money to start early enough. Yeah. Uh, to go the speed that we're trying to go, uh, you need to have all-wheel drive in a car. You know, we're running two-wheel drive. The, the big cars out there are all all-wheel drive. Even the uh, turbine car. Yeah. Uh, and. To build an all-wheel-drive car when I crashed my car would have cost me $3 million. Wow. I was too old to do that. Yeah. You know, I I knew, well, you have to know, you know, you're going to get too old to do this. So, you know, people ask me why I didn't build an all-wheel-drive car. I didn't want to spend the money and race it five years. You know, if I was 30 years old, I'd have, I'd have built it. So, you know, the biggest regret is I didn't get to start early enough. Yeah. And I went, I went real slow for many years out there. But the upside of that is I became a pretty good driver out there. Right. And I have going slow most to, uh, thank for that. Yeah. Uh, you go slow, you have more time to, to realize what to do, when to do it and how to do it. And, uh. Uh, I don't have any regrets about uh, the results that we've had. I, I think we've had better results than anybody could ever have dreamed about having out there. I, I've been over 400 out there 58 times. Wow. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest issue we have now is if we don't go 400, everybody's disappointed. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, even with the team, you know, we – well, we, we make a 450 pass, and you're just down over it, you know. Wow. It's just, just ain't near close good enough to what we want to do. But uh, last year, I, I ran uh, 466 out there, and, you know, it, it, it's a down year. You know, everybody thinks it's a horrible year for us. Right. Uh, you know, we've put – uh, the Hot Rod Magazine puts your name on a trophy out there since 1948 for the fastest car out there every year and uh, my name's on it ten times ten wow 10. but probably five of those ten disappointment wow <laughs> isn't that crazy and it would be anybody's dream that goes out there to get the Hot Rod trophy Yeah. and uh you know, if we don't get it with a huge number, it's disappointing. So, you know, I, I, I think that you lose a little bit of the fun of going when you, you get to that point, right? Um, uh, I'm not looking years forward to it this year as I have, you know, 10 years ago, right? But, um, the challenge is still there, and you know, we've Sat down and figured out what we could do different to go a little bit faster, and you know I I think we can probably have a pass of 500. I don't think I can get a record over 500 out there on a five mile course. Right. Everything would have to be just perfect, and uh, I haven't had a perfect year out there yet. Right. I'd like to have one before I quit, but you know the the biggest disappointment you have is. You prepare all year, you know, you, you spend the money uh, to get everything, buy all the parts, get everybody out there. And twice in my lifetime, it's rained us out. You didn't even get to make a pass. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's the biggest regret, you're was yeah. That was back to back years, though, wasn't it? Yeah. It was 2000. 2000- Sixteen and seventeen? Yeah. Yeah. Fourteen and fifteen, I think. But is that what it was? Fourteen, fifteen? That's that's the biggest disappointment you have is, is to get ready, get up for it, and then just say, Well, we can't run. That's wow. Stay wet. Yeah. I got another one. What does your family think about it? Well, my grandson thinks it's great. Yeah. <laughs> my wife ain't real keen about it. Uh how long you been married? Uh, this time, 30 years. Wow. 31 years. That's I've been epic. married more than once. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. No shame there. But, uh, my, I got a 13-year-old grandson and a 9-year-old great-grandson that goes with me out there. And to uh, be honest with you, they're the reason I'm going this year. Great-grandson. That's epic if, right if, there. If they weren't for them, I wouldn't go this year. But they want to go. so Yeah. And then I've got you know a team out there that has really really worked hard uh, well, for 25 years now that uh, I've gotten all the glory for it and they've done all the work right and uh, I feel like I owe it to them to uh, uh, try to get the ultimate goal for right. It. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this goes, but my family you know, ain't real crazy about me doing it. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
4: for sure. I would imagine. I would absolutely imagine. <laughs> did you ever
2: dream for half a
4: second being a 13-year-old kid in wherever that is, Mississippi, and I've never been there, and i lived this area my whole <laughs> life, but uh, did you ever dream that
2: you would be where you're at today? I never had a dream, no. I never even had a dream of running a car at Well, I had a dream of going Right. and seeing it but uh you know one of the most vivid uh things that i remember in my lifetime is when craig breedlove went 600 out there and went off the end of the course and that spirit of america's you know nose down in the water and him sitting on the tail of it waiting on uh, the uh,
3: recovery team That's
2: awesome picture <laughs> waiting on him to pick him up I've never seen that picture, but I want to see it. It's awesome. It was on the cover things. of Hot Rod Magazine. Yeah.
0: I'll, I'll edit it. I'll, you'll see it. Talk about <laughs> yeah. when he stuffed yeah. stuff nose awesome. in the thing. In the Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Not um, awesome that he did it. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 right. No. Well, I, I tell you, though, George, you know, from when I was telling my family about coming down here to meet you and do the podcast, we watched some of the YouTube videos and you know it it wasn't that they were just blown away by you know someone was able to do this they were shocked that you were from here
1: (laughs) (laughs) really he's from here that guy's
0: from memphis yeah
3: yeah, Memphis, we do. Yeah. that <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, let me tell you this: there's a lot of people in California shocked about it. <laughs> right? They, so they, get to they, they thought they owned all the records uh, out there. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. for
6: a rude awakening.
2: So, yeah.
1: They were not. They were not real happy with with a Mississippi boy coming up there and taking their. There's trophy
2: more away than one that. rule out there has been made for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah?
4: <laughs> sounds about right. Absolutely. So, so when you when you when you got records, wasn't it like the first time? like or maybe even forever that I heard that it's been this side of the Mississippi. Isn't that true? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come That's on,
2: right. man. That's awesome.
1: Taking it over. <laughs> That's funny.
2: Well, when I was first started going to bottom on cause had that record I think 153 with that flathead and that was just unbelievable you could even go that fast and you know to comprehend going that fast in a flathead. You know, I didn't even realize what a flathead was back then. I, I've never, you know, cared much for a flathead myself. You ain't got no horsepower around them. But that's why I say Greg didn't waste their time. But,
1: <laughs> 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 Poor Mike, <laughs> make Mike feel bad. You're not trying to go 480. <laughs> hey, they look nine, cool. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, it'll sound a, good too. A yeah, I,
4: I, I, I love flatheads. Oh, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a flathead guy. Yeah. I love them.
6: Yeah,
1: they sound cool. I like old motors. Yeah, I can't help neat, it. But yeah,
6: Sorry, yeah.
3: man. He cut me down with that's my cool, 292 though. earlier. Yeah,
1: so. right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you know, that's why you got all these LS motors that look like Ford's out here that, you know. Yeah, that's because Ford is prettier. Nice and easy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yes. not new ones uh, what yeah. are you driving
3: sean what do you yeah. ju- what's in the driveway there sure. yeah
1: it's an ugly it's an ugly ford motor on that thing <laughs> oh i don't
5: so, really like
1: that <laughs> you know, I, got, I got a ford with a chevy motor in it so yeah. there you go there you it's go. All,
5: it's, all, it's all, <laughs> the way to make it go fast all fun, man. i'm just glad you all have motors well, yeah so uh
1: george going back to hot rods how many do you have any idea how many hot rods you've had built
2: I don't have a clue wow. I, I couldn't tell you how many I've yeah. had built i, I you get uh, wrapped up in these things of uh, challenges of uh these awards trophies you you know you read about people winning them like the America's most beautiful roadster been going on for a hundred years out there and's right. uh, been passed around with those California guys you know forever. And, you think well, we can do that, and uh, that the, the the car that I had out in uh, Salt Lake City with that Eagle Rama, you know Rod and Custom Magazine came up with that deal, inviting ten cars out there for competition of you know gas mileage, drag strip, stop, and uh, stuff like that. And uh, I contracted with Dave Lane. I said, Dave, we can build a car that that won't win that. first time they'd ever had it. So, you know, they had their rules. And, and, of course, the rules is if you finish first place in in a category, you got ten points and nine for second. And I told Dave, he said, let's build a car that uh, we get third place in every one of them. And we'll win, and we did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but when you are trying to build a car for the American Most Beautiful Roadster or the Good Guy Street Machine of the Year, uh, all of them were uh, big cars like that that I've had built were, were built for a purpose. Uh, most of the cars that that I built though was. Something I, I saw in Hot Rod magazine in the 60s and dreamed about, and uh, you know I'm I'm still into that kind of car, the the nostalgia type, you know steel wheels, little hubcaps. So right. I don't like cars with 20 inch wheels on them, but uh, I've had I've been fortunate enough to have probably 10 different builders build cars for me that. Uh, have all done a good job I've not had a real bad experience with any any builder. so yeah I've been real fortunate there but I've had a lot of cars built and I've still got more than I need but once you build them and drive them a little while the the challenge is gone I'll move them and build another one
1: yeah yeah so uh, is there anything left on your list that you really want to build
2: well, I've got a couple of cars I'd like to build. I, I've got a couple of cars that are in a shed I'd like to build, I don't know if I will, because uh, to do a car and, and do it the way it should be done, it takes three years, Yeah. so I'm too old to do it. Uh, I've got a, a car going to, going together right now, but uh, I've got a, another chassis to start another car, uh, once we get this this pickup finished, but I don't know if I'll be able to, to do it or not. I'm too old. Yeah. But yeah, I've got I've got renderings of another three cars to do. Yeah. Wow. But we'll see. Yeah. Huh. So how how did you get like Troy
1: Chapanier was was one of those guys that I looked up to when when I was. Growing up, going to Street Machine Nationals up there in Decoin and stuff, you know. I mean, like those guys—him, Scott Sullivan, Rocky Robertson, Matt Hay—they were all building, you know, the most amazing pro street cars and stuff up there. And you know, that's kind of where Troy got his got his start. So, how did you guys get involved? How did uh, how did he end up talking to you? And
2: well, I've always looked for. Kids like Troy. I was Troy's first paying customer. I was Dave's first paying customer. I was Don Pilkington's first paying customer. Wow. And I, I've always been able to to see uh, the talent that they had, and uh, I take them a you know a, a roadmap of, of what we want to do and how I want it to look when I get finished with it. Yeah. And a list of do's and don'ts that we're going to do, and then I pretty much let them do it. I'm not there every day bothering them about, you know, I don't like this or you need to change this or whatever. Even, you know, Troy built a couple of cars for me that I, I didn't even pick the color of them. I let him pick the color of the car. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the biggest deal is is to pick you out somebody like that, that you've seen some of the works, the quality that they do, and then you you determine, you know, how they work and how they conduct their their business and what kind of talent they have as far as as what's tasteful and not tasteful and uh, do you do you essentially kind of sit
1: and interview them? You know, I mean, like when when you're first sitting down to talk to them about a car, is it, do you kind of look at it that way, or or have you already pretty much just from meeting them and talking to them here and there, you've kind of got an idea?
2: Well, we talk, but it's not an interview process. Yeah, uh, you know they. Uh, Try to get out of me what I want, what I want to end up with. Where you want a 32 Ford high boy, or you want, you know, and uh, they, uh, I, the, the kid that I deal with has, has a lot of talent and a lot of uh, the gift of, of making things look the way it's supposed to look. Yeah. But we don't, you know, you'll talk. I mean, I've talked to Alan probably 20 times about. This next project that we're supposed to have, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I talked to him this week about a 35 panel truck we've got done. Earn what, what my idea of what it would take to do it, and then you let him put his his opinion on it and what he need need to do. And you know, and, and big thing on something like a 35, uh, a 34, forward panel truck is, you know, I'm old enough. I need independent front end. Uh, reason for that is your know, power steering rack you know traditionally you wouldn't think of that on a 34 ford you'd want a straight axle car right you know so i i, I sat down and talked to alan you know I, I know we need to put a straight axle but how can we do it and fix it to where i can drive it and not just drive it but enjoy driving it yeah and uh you know you, you watch things like roadkill on television you know, and and David them will build an old car and drive it down the road, but you have to sit there every minute or once watching. there is no way that you could enjoy driving a car like that. Yeah. It looks cool going down the road, yeah. but it's horrible, you know, to yeah. drive it down to a yes. worn-out jeep like they do or something. So, you know, I I'm discussing with Alan how we can build this car that it's functional for me and 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 meet his expectations of what it's supposed to look like yeah you know so then you make a decision as you know do we need to go forward with it or do we just need to look at another project yeah and uh we're still talking about the 34 forward i don't know if we can put an independent front end on that truck and make it uh, acceptable with the hot rodders yeah. you know you can make it acceptable with the gold chain people and that's, that's <laughs> able to, you know I don't know anything about a car. They know more, more about jewelry and Rolex watches <laughs> than they do a car. But, uh, you know, the, the goal is to, to build something that that if anybody walks up to it, they're going to say, I really like that, but I would have done this different. You know, right, right. you want to build something that anybody walks up to it, so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah,
1: wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for
2: sure. So we haven't decided on the 34 yet, but it's not an interview process. It's a discuss and yeah. I guess
1: uh, I guess consultation is kind of what I should have said, you know. But but I mean, obviously, with Alan, you've known him for a long time and stuff. So I was just wondering, with a with a new builder, how that worked.
2: Well, you just you you try not to dictate to him what you've got to do it this way. You know, he says, "I want it to look like this. How would you do it?" Mm-hmm. Right. You know, how can you do this car and make it look like that and still be what I want it to be? Yeah. But uh, we've built some pretty good driving, riding cars. That uh, uh, Nova. <laughs> in my lifetime. Yeah. But, uh, things like the Torino that Troy built for me. Yeah. He didn't know where Talladega was. He, he'd never heard of them. Yeah. You know, I, I took him a book up there of the, the Talladega Torino's and NASCAR and made him read it before we even talked about building it. Yeah. So <laughs> we could see what we were trying to, to end up with. Yeah. But it, it, you know, gives you a lot of satisfaction to take a guy like Troy that he, he never watched a NASCAR race. Yeah. He has now because have that track up and. Chicago, and those drivers come down to visit his shop now, but he didn't know what a Talladega uh, Torino was. But, uh, you know, a kid like Alan, I've known him since he was in high school. Yeah. And uh, it's incredible that the uh, uh, talent he has for recreating some of the old stuff that we had back in the 50s and 60s, and it worked now. Where it didn't back then, but nobody would say it didn't work back then because it was so cool to own it. Yeah, like right. a flathead in a race car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because Alan's kind of a he's kind of an old soul, but I mean he's not he's not that old, right? He's probably he's probably fifty. Yeah, he's around fifty. Yeah, he's about
2: the same age as my boy. Yeah, it's 150 yeah. years. Old oh, shut up, that's people. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: not that they old. always say I'm 150 years old, so yeah. Um. Yeah, but I mean, really, I mean, he's he's not a super old guy, like, it, but he's still got kind of that old soul where he, he likes the old stuff. I, mean, I I like his whoops. I like his styling a lot for the same reason because it's it's you can tell it's Allen Johnson build. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the the Ford truck back here was his, right? Allen yeah. Allen built that truck. Yeah,
2: that's cool. And uh, the reason for that is, you know, nobody had done one but was really nice. Yeah, uh, uh, people do 55, 56s, and uh, I like 57s. I've got a 57 car, and uh, I took that truck to Allen and I had it rendered. Uh, uh, Eric Brockmauer does drawings for me, and he—I told him what I wanted it to look like, and uh, Alan, you know, took the drawings and uh it you take a picture of the car and lay it beside the the rendering that brockmeyer did it it looked like the same same club, yeah so. wow
1: eric brockmeyer is amazing yeah.
2: but uh does
1: he do does he do any does he do like art outside of renderings I don't do you know,
2: know? I yeah don't know. i I'm met worried. him a time or two but yeah i'm so old i wouldn't know him if he walked in the shop yeah. there we'd Talk on the computer. I don't know him.
1: Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to meet him. We're friends on Facebook or whatever, but I know he probably doesn't know me from Adam. So, but uh, that'd be that'd be a really cool guy to to meet to figure out how. Like, I, I'm always amazed by artists in general and just people who can go and have this vision of what a car should look like. It's pretty amazing to me.
2: Well, the the deal with a guy like Eric is uh, he's he has, can look at something like this 34 panel truck and tell you the doors need to be longer on it. Yeah. Well, that's easy to say. Right. You know, so then you take it to Allen and say, how can you make these doors longer? Well, you just weld a piece in the door. Well, that don't get it. You got to move the door post. Yeah, that's right. And then you got a you know the, the 34 we did. Eric drew it up with with a, a two inch chop in the rear instead of the front because it, it don't look right. You know, it looks like it's going downhill too much. And, you know, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, 32-5-1 that's over here that Dave built for me. We put 32 Roadster quarter panels on that 5 one coup huh. Nobody's ever done that before. Yeah. Well, if you know anything about 32 Fords, and you walk up to it, and you can say, and there's something different there and but then, then you point out it once roaster quarter panel there's a little bit of difference in the wheel well opening yep. and around the gas tank in the back but it's just enough to make the car look different from any 32 ford it was built yeah and now there's probably been a hundred of them built like that yeah you know what i bought uh, two quarter panels from uh, brookville roaster and uh had dave put those roaster quarters on that five one a coupe cool. and um uh, it's, uh, it's just, you know, little things like that, you know, moving the gas tank up on a 32 Ford to just an inch to close the gap between the, the body, the rear of the body and the gas tank. You know, when you walk up up to a, a car that that's, that, that you, you know, what, what we do is, is cut the frame rails and pie it and put a jack on it and just raise the gas tank up and then tack the frame back together. But if you walk up to a car like that, that, that the rear end's been done that way, and you walk up to a 32 Ford that's been built in a shop that don't know the difference, you know, and you say, well, why does it look so much different? Yeah. And then you explain what you did to make it look different. And little things that that, that Eric Brockmeyer comes up with that you need to do, and uh, uh, the, uh, I, you know, you can look at this pickup back here, this up pickup. You know, there, there's things done around the, uh, the interior of that car, around the dash, the windshield mold in the back window uh, that Eric comes up with, you need to do this, you need to do this. And, uh, the front wheel wells on that car there were, were short and about three-quarter of an inch. And uh, the fronts were dropped about two inches to to match the 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 height from the ground that the rears are, and it's it's easy to draw that on a computer. But then you take it to a kid like Alan said, "Can you do this?" Yeah. And then they have to figure out how to do it. Yeah. But it's just like the uh, the Plymouth, the Sniper that that Chip designed. You know, uh, Troy was able to take. Chips rendering, and with uh, chips advice and, and time he invested in it, you know Troy was able to make that that fifty four Plymouth look like a real car. Yeah, and uh, the 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 artistic part of it is, you know, the first step. You know, the next step is getting somebody that can execute the artist part of it and still make it work.
1: Yeah, yeah. So on the, uh, on the uh, yeah, on the um, uh, the rendering like where you said it was three quarters of an inch or whatever on the on the wheel well, you know, does does Eric send a kind of a list of things that that you know this should be moved in three quarters of an inch or whatever because because like you said it's kind of hard to tell right when you're looking especially if you're looking at a drawing.
2: He makes a rendering and he'll make notes on it. Like okay. the tailgate on the truck over there. Yeah. You know, you, you, uh, he, he'll make a note on uh, yeah, how to make some the tailgate really cool stuff. look. And yeah, then there's Alan some... had to figure out how to do that. And he did it with a late model weight pickup tailgate. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, I knew there was something special about that tailgate. I couldn't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Epic.
2: Mm-hmm. Like good?
1: Yeah. yeah We've been right going there. for a while, right? He, he said that he, would, he could talk for three minutes. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> or, uh, how, how long? How long are we miles? at? We're almost at two. Yeah, almost at two, two hours. Yeah, we're, <laughs> <at> two hours. <laughs> yeah we're, we're wearing you out. So, um, but uh, we'll, um, you know, we, we can kind of wrap it up here, I guess, or whatever. But uh, George has been, it's been awesome. And see, it was so much easier than talking for three minutes,
2: wasn't it? Okay. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: see, but I just told you, you're just going to
2: tell the stories that you normally tell, right? All right. Well, I've. I take, I take pride in that I've made a pretty good living in my lifetime. Yeah. And I attribute about ninety percent of that to I listen good. I don't do a lot of talking. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I've always been in, in meetings. I'm I i will sit and listen a lot. I don't like to talk. <laughs> yeah,
1: I can tell you, you're you're a calculating person. You could, you could see the you can see the gears turning <laughs> a lot of times, but uh, yeah, but you don't say a lot. So but um well Thank you so much for having us down here um, and and doing this. It's uh, Hot Rod Blues is something that we we started doing just to be able to document Memphis history and uh, the hot rodding history and the racing history that's in this town. And uh, I think it's uh, you know like like I said that could not be done without George Poteet. So oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it it could not for sure. And uh, and and you've been a great friend. Uh, all along so i really really appreciate you doing this and um hey will we'll uh i'm sure we won't do it again because you probably won't won't ever do this again but uh, i don't know
2: if we go 500 i might want to do that. oh right. we, hey. we're down, no yeah. yeah let's book you yeah. right now yeah. Yeah. yeah i was gonna say well here we the first
1: so, interview so here's the deal we, we've been talking to a few other people like jeffrey ferguson who's going to be out there and uh who was the other one uh, Clay Milligan. Oh uh, yeah, Clay, if Clay ends up running yeah, yeah. that other car, we said, you know what, you guys end up out there, we'll go out to Bonneville and we'll do the podcast, On, podcast. at Bonneville. So yeah, so, so we'll get you there if you do five hundred.
2: <laughs> yeah, well we we could we could make Clay pretty famous pretty quick if he wanted to spend a little bit of money to land speed race. Yeah, I know. absolutely. He,
1: he said he, he said he'd need a bigger sponsor.
2: <laughs> and then he said your name. It, it was really near, weird. It don't cost <laughs> near as much as top fuel racing. I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, that's sure. why he's a driver, yeah, that's <laughs> right? right? That's right. <laughs> hey man. So yeah, but uh, but thank you so much. And uh, we uh, episode fifteen. Uh, hey man, you in are... the books? Yeah, take us out. This Let's has take...
3: been Hot Rod Blues with George Protite on location in Mississippi. <laughs> Join us next episode. We'll see you guys next week.
2: Bye. Bye, buddy. Bye. It's Mississippi down here.